1: Hello and welcome to Flaunt, Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or a Betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle, and today we are going to talk about guilt. Our guilt, the guilt that we carry as the betrayed partner. And first, I want to begin by reassuring you, no, you are not crazy to be victimized and then to feel like you are guilty somehow. So we're going to break that down, (laughs) why that's normal, Um, why, how to say this without sounding triggering right out out of the gate, because I don't want to sound like that. Some coaches and professionals really, really, really subscribe to the belief that an affair is never your fault. And I believe that an affair is never your fault. Unless you stood there with a gun to your partner's head and said, you must cheat on me right now, it is never your fault. However, to my way of thinking, in my experience, both personally and working with other people, it's also vitally important to realize the things that we have control of in ourselves and how while we did not cause the affair, it is not possible for us to have caused the affair. There were things that we did, more than likely, that were contributing factors towards a breakdown of our relationship that eventually led to the affair. So there's no blame. There is no direct cause. But it's being able to have that agency To look at the situation, to critically analyze the situation, and then know that you indeed do have control over yourself and your reactions and your behaviors. And to be able to learn and grow by saying, in the past, I didn't know or understand X, Y, or Z. And now going forward, I do know or understand X, Y, and Z, and I can do a better job. I can do things differently. Now, here's where that gets sticky. Again, in no way, shape, or form was the affair your fault. And I cannot guarantee that if you do all that internal work, that if you look at yourself, that if you know better and that you do better, that the Disney fairy princess, rainbows, and unicorns are going to be sparkling down upon you, and all of a sudden your relationship is going to be all sunshine and rainbows because now you're doing things differently. I can't guarantee that. But what I will say is when you are back in your agency, when you have full agency over yourself... When you have broken down and analyzed and healed all of these formerly dysfunctional patterns or patterns that were born of insecurity. Because come on, who is not insecure? Especially in a relationship, especially when you're running yourself ragged and you're trying to work or raise kids or hold everything together for everyone, how can you not be insecure? Look at this world around us. Look at the standards that women are held to. Not only are they ridiculous, they're impossible. If you have not seen my TEDx talk, I go in to some of those standards some of those impossible standards that women are held to. So if you have not seen that TEDx, go ahead and Google uncovering bias in gender and women's sexuality with my name, Laura Cheadle, L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E. Uncovering bias in gender and women's sexuality, TEDx, Laura Cheadle. Because in that talk, I talk about that narrow range of acceptability, that narrow range of acceptable behavior and dress and weight. We can't be too thin, but we can't be too heavy. We can't be too smart. We can't be too dumb. If we're too dedicated to our kids, it's wrong. If we're not dedicated enough to our kids, it's also wrong. If we work out too much, we're selfish and it's wrong. If we let ourselves go and we never work out, we're a schlep and it's wrong. So my point in all of that is not to rail against the patriarchy, although I think it's perfectly valid (laughs) and necessary for us to open our eyes about what the patriarchy has and continues to do in our society, in our culture, and how it impacts us. My point in saying that was to talk about insecurity and the fact that I don't care who you are. You're probably insecure over something. And insecure behavior leads to weird behavior. <laughs> when you're insecure, you want to please others. You become a people pleaser. Why? Why? Because if I just make everybody else happy, they're going to tell me that I'm so good and they're going to love me and they're going to stay with me and we're going to be happy. And then we get in that pattern of people pleasing, of pleasing others. And it never really works. If you're anything like me, yeah, you've been a people pleaser on and off throughout your life. And here's my question. When did that work for you? When did you self-sacrifice and you pleased somebody and somebody came down and was like, oh, you were amazing. You pleased me perfectly. Everything you did was amazing. Here you go. Take the corner office. You have got it. Or here's the parenting award of the year. Look at you. Look at how much you have sacrificed. Everything is perfect. Or in a relationship context, when has somebody said, I really see what you did and I thank you. I thank you so much for walking with me, for being there for me, for always serving me. I appreciate it so much. And now, now is your time. Let me walk with you and support you. And by the way, go have a weekend at the spa. For most of us, it doesn't work that way. For most of us, we get into that chronic pattern of pleasing others, and the more we please them, the more they expect. And the more they expect, the higher the bar, and the more we seek to please. And the more we seek to please, the less satisfied they are, because they know that we're the ones that are always going to bend over backwards for them. And then the less likely they are to compromise, and so on and so forth. So that's how insecurity plays out in a relationship. We start giving our power away to the other person. And when we start giving our power away to the other person, it degrades the relationship. And you might be saying, no, I'm a loving person, Laura. I just love to nurture and I love to be there for others. And yeah, yes, and I'm a nurturing person, too. I love to be there for others, too, and Where is that a little bit unhealthy? Where is that born of insecurity? Where is that born from that deep internal belief that I am truly not enough? I'm not worthy. I'm not entitled to have my needs met. I'm not entitled to have somebody nurture and support me. So therefore, this needs to be my role. And then when I'm in this role, then other people will owe me. Other people will like me. Other people will admire me. It's not healthy. So when I talk about guilt for your partner's affair and the guilt that we feel when they cheat, where I want you to land, where I think it is where we are most in our power to land is where we can perfectly straddle that line. That my partner's cheating was not my fault, was never my fault, and it could not be my fault. And I also have the intelligence, the strength, and the agency to look with a critical eye, and and by critical I don't mean negative, I mean like an analytical eye, Over the times and the places and the ways where I was not showing up healthy and empowered with my own agency. Where instead I was showing up seeking to please, seeking to perform, seeking to conform, covertly manipulating the situation because I didn't have the knowledge to stand in my truth to assert healthy boundaries and to negotiate a healthier way of being. Because all relationships take work. Relationships are just hard. They just are. Because they require us to first know who we are and what we want and what our boundaries are. And then they require us to communicate those things that sometimes are either opposing our partner's wishes, or maybe in seeming opposition to our partner's wishes, or maybe not that they're even in opposition or not, but our partner hasn't thought about theirs, and it feels like we're being bossy or confrontational. And circling back to the whole patriarchy thing, what is our number one fear? I just want to be liked. I just want to be loved. I just want somebody to see and know and love me. So when we assert ourselves, it can sometimes feel confrontational. Our partner can sometimes take it as confrontational even when it's not because our partner is not used to that. And more specifically, our partner doesn't know how to deal with that. Our partner doesn't know how to communicate his or her needs, wants, or desires. So when you stand into your power and communicate and they don't know how to respond back, then it creates a problem for them because they don't know how to respond to that. But when you can look to the past and see all the ways where you weren't completely in your agency, in your sovereignty, where you didn't really know, where you were just hoping somebody else would understand you. I just want him to get me. And I'm saying that a little cheeky, but come on, don't we all feel that? I just want someone to understand me. I don't want it to be so hard. Why does it have to be so hard? All I'm asking is, do you want pizza or Mexican food? Why is it so hard? Why can't somebody just know me? So, when we can see and understand <laughs> that it is hard, when we can clean up our side of the street, take accountability for us and for our peace that led to some relational dysfunction. We're a lot better off. When I talk about taking accountability, it's not taking accountability for their affair or for their choice to cheat. It's not taking accountability for everything that went wrong in the marriage. It's taking accountability for you and for what you didn't know. I've said a few times, no better, do better. No better, do better. When my husband and I were going through our affair recovery journey, we kept looking back at things and saying, "How could I have not known that? I wish I would have known. I wish I would have understand, understood. I wish I could understand then what I knew now." And at one point, I went up to the people leading our um, affair recovery workshop, and I said, Why don't you put this in marriage stuff, like pre-marriage classes? Why don't we all have this? I know there are so many marriage courses and marriage prep. Oh my gosh, why don't people know this? And she kind of smiled and laughed. And if she could have patted me on the head without being condescending, I'm sure she would have. (laughs) And she said, what struck me as such a truth. She said, you know, nobody thinks they need this until they know that they should have had it. And I was like, oh, I think you're right. Because I look back to some of the stuff that we did or did not do in our couples counseling in a couple of the marriage retreats that we had attended throughout the years, I think we did like a marriage encounter, we did another couple things. And you know, you're right. You learn some stuff, but you don't really understand how vitally important it is until it explodes. And sadly, I think that's a universal truth with so many different things. It's so easy to gloss over and to not make changes because we think it's not that big of a deal until all of a sudden we go, oh, my God, I wish I would have known this is a huge deal. So to me, this is empowering. It's empowering to know that you have the mental, emotional and spiritual capacity to look back on yourself and your relationship in the situation and to grow and to change and to do things differently. And when I talk about capacity, you might not have the capacity to do that now. You might be in the throes of trauma. You might not know where you're going to sleep tonight. This still might be a highly volatile, very brand new situation, and you might not have the capacity to self-reflect and to look back over the last umpteen years of your marriage. And that's okay if you don't have the capacity to do that right now. By all means, don't. Keep yourself safe. Keep yourself healthy. Keep yourself balanced. But what I do want is the bug in your ear that you've got agency. You've got control. And you can make changes that are in your best interest. And the truth is, when you clean up your side of the street, everything gets better. Because it leaves your partner with a choice. They can either clean up their side of the street too, and then they can meet you. And then you're in a brand new relationship with two brand new people And you're figuring this out and you're moving ahead as if it were a new relationship. Because now you're seeing things differently and you're doing things differently and you're processing things differently. Or you will get to the point where your side of the street is clean. And you see your partner's side of the street. And all of a sudden you'll say, oh my gosh, I never knew how messy it was. I never knew how bad it was. I never knew how much I was doing, how much of their work I was doing. And I see them now through a completely different light because now my attention is focused on me. Now I have the capacity and the energy to do me. And I don't have the capacity and the energy to do them and look at them spiral And it will naturally break apart. It's not, of course, relationships ending can be sad. And you can still have love and sadness and all that, but you also will have this deep knowing that that's not it. I don't want to live across from that. I want to live across from the junkyard. I want to live across from a pretty park. So, cleaning up your side of the street, doing your own inner work, developing that confidence, and knowing that you have agency, and even knowing that some of the things that you did possibly were contributing factors to the demise of the relationship. That's powerful, that's positive. I do not want you to have guilt over that. There is absolutely nothing to have guilt over. Because we all do the best that we can with the tools that we've got. When my husband and I look back over our relationship, in a way, it was like a rom-com where the two people want each other, but they just keep Missing. Can I tell you how many times he was ready to do the work and I wasn't? And I shut him out because I was not there. I was busy. I had other things going on, whether it was the kids or myself or whatever. No. And he was asking for a connection and I was like, not, not ready. Not now. No way. And then there were times when the tables were turned and I was like, I'm doing all this, I want to talk, I got this new cor- course on relationships, I've been reading this book, read this book and let's talk about it. And he'd be like, nope, mad at you, don't care, busy. That's normal. Do I have some sadness over the times that he was ready and where I shut him down? Yes. Yes. Do I have some guilt over that? Yes. But our job in life is not to be ready in every single moment. Our job in life is to know where we stand in each moment and what we are capable of in each moment and to set up boundaries around ourselves to support ourselves so we can go forward. From that moment. So, for whatever reason, I was not ready. I can't blame myself for not being ready. You're ready when you're ready. For whatever moments when I was ready and my husband wasn't, I can't be mad at him. He can't blame himself for not being ready because you're ready when you're ready. I always go back to kids learning how to walk. They're ready when they're ready. They're ready when all of those factors have come together, strength and balance and curiosity and developmental stuff in the brain. They're ready when they're ready. You can't force it and you can't be guilty. You can't feel guilty that your kid didn't walk at a certain time. They're ready when they're ready. So, yes, emotionally, can we have guilt? Yes. Why wasn't I there? I look back over my journey. My husband talks about how he felt invalidated by me. How he felt rejected by me. How he felt like an outsider in the home, in the family. Because of things that I did. Then he talks about having an affair because he wanted to get validation. Because he was desperately unhappy, feeling rejected, feeling invalidated, and he wanted to have an affair to get some validation, basically. So let's break this down. Did I cause him to have an affair? No. Did some of my actions and behaviors that he perceived as being rejecting or invalidating, did they lead to the affair? In a roundabout way, of course. I can own that piece. It's not healthy to get into the back and forth of, I didn't know, you didn't tell me. Well, I didn't know, and I couldn't tell you because I didn't know either. Well, you didn't. I didn't. None of that matters. This is hovering above it, looking at it from the outside with objectivity. The ways that I invalidated him, we're not saying they're right. We're not saying they're wrong. We're not saying it's justifiable or not justifiable. The fact of the matter is he felt invalidated and rejected by me. Did he tell me? No. Did I know? No. So can I really carry guilt on that? No. Can I carry an awareness? Yes. Can I now understand? Oh, wow. He's sensitive to that. He's sensitive to feeling rejected. He's sensitive. He perceives things as being invalidating. When I feel like I am on task and moving forward and getting my stuff done and I'm on point, he perceives that as invalidating. I can clean up my language. I can go slower. I can be more aware of the impact that I am making. I can be more aware of how I might inadvertently be causing harm. Yes, I can feel some guilt over that. Because I didn't want to cause anybody harm. But does it help me to mire down in the guilt of that? And if only I would have done that, and then maybe he would have done that, and then this wouldn't have happened. No, that's not helpful. What is helpful is being able to look at it and say... What can I be aware of from this? What I can be aware of is I inadvertently caused harm and I didn't know it. Now that I know it, I can do some things differently or I can start asking, whether it's with him or other people. Maybe I'm causing harm to my kids when I'm in my let's get things done mode. Maybe I'm causing harm to friends when I'm doing that. It's opened my eyes to my behaviors and my tendencies and to how other people might perceive them. It's expanded my thinking because now I understand, wow, even though somebody looks like a big strong man, they can be sensitive. It's made me a kinder, more compassionate person because now I can judge people less On how I think they are. And I can be more curious. Is this going to offend you? Is this going to hurt you? And it's made me a better human. So that's what I mean. Feel some guilt. That's, That's a normal human behavior. But don't get mired down in it. Because when you get stuck in guilt, it really does take your agency away. And I am all about being empowered through this journey. Empowered enough to say, yeah, I can look at things differently. I can choose to learn. I can choose to act and behave and think differently. That's being in my power. Being mired down in what I could have, would have, should have done. Is out of my power. Feel that guilt. It feels awful. But let it drain out of your belly, out of your chest, and into the earth. Think back. To something you might feel a little bit of guilt on. No need to go there completely. But just think back to something that you might feel a little guilt over. Whether it's around the affair or something else. Put your hand there. And then start swirling that hand. Start making a spiral. You'll know which direction to go. Whether it's clockwise or counterclockwise. You'll know how fast or how slow to go. And it's like you're unscrewing that guilt. So you might be pulling your hand out of your solar plexus, out of your chest, out of the back of your head, wherever, out of your forehead, wherever that guilt is. Unscrew it. For as long as you need to unscrew it, when you're ready, take a breath. Close that hand around the top of where you feel this guilt. Use the other hand to wrap around it. So it's like you have one hand over the end of a bolt and the other hand over the like the shaft of the bolt. Pull it out. And then you can either literally go drop it in the toilet and flush it away. Keep carrying it. You can throw it out the window with a prayer. For nature to absorb, dissolve, and transmute this guilt. Or you can raise it all the way up. Shifting your gaze to the sky and send it away on a prayer that it's transmuted and healed. Take a breath. If you're still doing it, take your time. If you need to pause, you can pause. I want you to brush your hands together fast like you're washing them. Wash, wash, wash. If you want to go really wash them, go really wash them. But just wash away any of that muck and then shake, shake, shake them dry. Shaking away any of that guilt that might have been stuck on your hands. (sighs) And then place one or both hands over that spot where you unscrewed that guilt. And I want you to send in healing light to that area. And notice what color that healing light is. It could be green. It could be pink. It can change every time you do this practice. But just fill that hole that guilt left with a beautiful color. And allow that healing to start taking place from the inside out. And this is a practice that I encourage you to do, often. Because if you're anything like me, there are so many nights that you've lain in bed and you've gone over every bad thing you've ever done in your life, (laughs) every mistake you've ever made, everything that's ever gone wrong, and you just beat yourself. This is the practice that will help you start taking care of that guilt. So just saying that, just having that memory of laying in my bed thinking about every single bad thing I've ever done or said or thought or mistake I've ever made caused my chest to contract. So it's the perfect time to use that hand on the chest To unscrew that bolt of guilt. To take as much time as necessary to unscrew it. Sometimes it just feels like, pop, the little bolt falls out. Sometimes, like now, I'm reaching out as far as I can and I'm still unscrewing and I'm like, dang, this is a long one. And then when it reaches the end, grab the end with one hand. Grab the shaft with the other Pop it out. Release it to the heavens. Throw it outside to be transmuted. Flush it down the toilet. Or you can even put it in a trash can and carry it out. Wash those hands either literally or symbolically to get all the gunk out then breathe. Place your hands on that space where you took that bolt out and send love and light and that healing color in. And you know, it's interesting because when I did this at first, it was a different color and now I'm on my heart. And even though my head said, ooh, this should be green like the first time, because at first I saw green when I was doing it in my stomach, in my heart, the color that came to my mind was red. So I'm flooding that wound with red until it feels healed from the inside And it doesn't matter if you do this once or if you do this at 12 locations in your body. It doesn't matter if you hit the same location night after night after night. Whenever you feel that twinge of guilt. This is what I want you to do because guilt bolts us down. It bolts us to the floor. It anchors us down and it paralyzes and immobilizes us. So what you're doing when you're doing this is you're literally unbolting that guilt from your energy field so you can go forward and make changes so you can clean up your side of the street so you can get over that insecurity get over that fear so you can be the best version of you so you can have truly healthy relationships and most importantly So you can be free to live and breathe and laugh and dance and just be in a state of joy without the crippling weight of guilt that is bolting you down, freezing your energies and shutting you down. (sighs) So breathe into that a bit. Relax. And set yourself free. You know, I want to wrap up talking about guilt by talking about a little bit the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is, I've done something bad. Shame is, I am bad. And what's really interesting when it comes to affairs, often... Fairly often, the betraying partner, the cheater, the one who did all this wrong stuff, doesn't feel guilt. And I'm always having the people that I'm coaching with saying, how could he not feel guilty? Is he a psychopath? Is he a sociopath? Is he a narcissist? Is he this? Is he... Why can't he feel guilty? I don't want to say always, but often the case is they don't feel guilt. They feel shame. And shame is lower than guilt. Shame is I am worthless. I am a piece of dog poo and I don't even deserve to be here on this planet. And I'm not saying every single time, but often the person who cheats has got a lot of worthiness issues themselves. And they reach out and they do this heinous act. And it goes right past guilt, right into shame, because I've done this to my wife. I've done this to my partner and my kids and my family and my community. And, oh, my God, I've done this to my own soul. And I can't unring this bell. And I am horrible. And the shame is so devastating and hard to hold. And usually when you're not mentally healthy enough to hold something, The body is self-protective and it's not going to push you to a breaking point. So if the person who cheats is cheating because they already are not mentally healthy because they don't have the skills to navigate life's challenges, which is why people cheat because they're not healthy and they don't have the skills to navigate life's challenges (laughs) and they're unhappy and they don't know what to do about it. So then they take these this, this, they do this thing, they cheat and it goes to shame and their mind is unhealthy because cheating seemed like a good option, which means you're pretty unhealthy. And then you feel the shame and your mind can't cope with it. Your mind can't cope with it. So it just compartmentalizes it and shuts it down. And your cheating partner might be saying things like, it's no big deal. Why are you making such a big deal out of this? Get over it. It's over. It happened. It's done. It's not that big of a deal. Millions of people cheat. Whatever it is, they minimize it. They minimize the heck out of it. And you're sitting there going, wait, what is happening? You cheat on me. You destroy our family. You impact all of these people. And now you're telling me it's no big deal. And you're acting like
0: I'm the one that needs to get over it.
1: Look a little deeper. You're right, by the way. (laughs) They're out of their mind. What they're saying is crazy talk. But it makes sense. Because they are feeling so much shame over what they did. And they are not in a state to be able to handle that shame. Their nervous system cannot handle that shame. Their mind cannot handle that shame. So instead of having a nervous breakdown... Or coming to you in this complete authenticity of, I don't know what I did. The shame is overwhelming me. I'm crying. I'm shaking. I want to vomit. The shame is too much to bear. The mind, both subconsciously and a little bit consciously as well, protects them by making them feel like it's not a big deal. By making them say, that it's not a big deal. Inside, they know. Inside, they totally know. It's just that they can't handle the shame of it. They can't face it. It's like when a kid does something really, really, really bad, and they fabricate this whole story about how the car got wrecked. And you're like, wait, what? Or fabricate this whole story about why they missed curfew or why something happened. They're fabricating a story to protect themselves. They're deflecting. They're minimizing to protect themselves. Sit with that for a little bit. They're doing it to protect themselves. It's not about you. Sure, some people might be intentionally trying to gaslight you by minimizing it, but it's them trying to protect themselves. Wow. You train wreck the whole marriage, you make these decisions, and now you can't stand in the shame, you can't sit in the shame, so you spin this whole story about why it's my fault or why it's not that big of a deal, and you blame me to protect you. Genius, right? That's being sarcastic. That's a sarcastic genius. That's not like, oh, yeah, do this. (laughs) Why is genius is that that's the response of our brain. That's what we as humans do to protect ourselves. Is it right? No. Is it fair? No. Can you see through it? I'd like you to start seeing through it. Because given given time, given the proper support, given the proper introspection, your cheating partner will be able to address their shame. They need a therapist. Let me just tell you, they need to do their work. I am here to help you do your work. Your partner, your husband, your partner, whoever it is, They need a therapist to do their work. Hands down, they need someone to help them do their work. And once they move from that lowest state of shame, I'm not worthy, then they will start feeling guilt. And so many women say, too little, too late. And it's like, yeah, I get that. And I want you to see the journey. I want you to see the whole path from point A to point Z. They're going to minimize, they're going to blame, they're going to shame you because they can't manage their shame. Then somewhere down the road, they're going to feel guilty. And that might be where they're like, I'll do anything. I can't believe this. I messed up so bad. That's good because it's the next phase of their development. What you want to do with it is totally up to you. But just recognize shame is the lowest, then comes guilt. Maybe you want to teach them, if you're working this out, this practice of unbolting themselves from the guilt. If you're co-parenting from them, if they are receptive, this is a practice that you can use. Because again, you want a partner, a potential partner, or somebody you're going to co-parent with, To not be bolted down with grief. With feeling guilty. Because guilt leads to that paralysis. And then the third layer of all of this, we've talked about your guilt in not knowing better and not being able to do better because you didn't know better. And while I want you to take no blame for your partner's affair, I do want you to take accountability for looking back and realizing, how can I grow from this? From an empowered stance, not from a guilt-producing stance. From an empowered stance, what can I do differently? I see now where that wasn't the best option, and now I choose to Do things differently. And if some guilt comes up, let's breathe through that. Let's unbolt it and move. The guilt just shows you're a human person. You're a kind person. You're a loving person. And then we look at your partner's guilt. Which very often is not just guilt, it's shame. Which causes them to blame you and shame you. Like if they make you feel guilty and filled with shame as bad as they feel. That it's going to somehow make them better? It's not, but that's what they try. Understand that their minimization, that they're blaming you, says more about them than it does about you. It says everything about their mental state. How badly they feel about themselves. Once they get through that shame, they'll move into some guilt. Guilt can be empowering because it empowers you to do something different. Unbolt that guilt so it's not paralyzing. But then use that guilt to do better. Now they know better about their needs, their wants. Now they know better about what an affair does. Do better. It doesn't matter if it's in this relationship or another relationship. Know better and do better. And then the third piece of this is how do you balance this within each other? Because you're going to be going through different phases at different times. Similar when I was to when I was talking about in the marriage, there were times I really wanted to lean in and my husband wasn't ready. There were times he really wanted to lean in and I wasn't ready. If you're on this journey in any capacity together, you're going to be going through different things at different times and you can't change what another person is experiencing. And you can't make them go through something faster or slower. And if all of their internal resources are being used up taking care of themselves, you also can't get them to take care of you. That's why in recovery, it is about you. Yes, do you want to heal with your partner? Do they want to heal with you? Yes, but you know what? You might not have capacity for that because you're both dealing with the trauma. Even if you're apart, even if you are sitting here and you're saying, well, this doesn't apply to me because my partner, he's with the other woman and they're off in a bubble living happily ever after. Oh no, they're not. Oh no, they're not. They're in a bubble. But this is going to catch up at some point your partner's just in a different place. Guilt and shame will always come. Guilt and shame will always come. Unless you truly, truly, truly have a clinically diagnosed, fairly significant mental health disorder, such as you truly are a psychopath or a sociopath or a narcissist. That's different. But many people just have narcissistic tendencies or they're not full-blown. So what I want for you is to understand this journey, to understand the difference between shame, to deal with guilt, to have a tool to manage your own guilt, to understand that guilt can be empowering, and to lean into the empowering nature of that guilt, which is knowing better and doing better, instead of the bolting down paralysis of guilt. What I want for you is to understand what your partner is going through or ex-partner, what your cheater is going through. Not from a state of, now I'm going to please my cheater and take care of them. Now I'm going to do everything for them because they're worse off than I am. Not from that place. No, 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 stop. Don't go there. But from a place of understanding and discernment That their behavior is about them and what they're going through, and it is not about you. That they can spew stuff on you, that they can blame, that they can ask you to do things, that they can do all of this stuff, and you can be like, oh, this is where they're at on the journey. This isn't about me. This is about where they're at on the journey. Wow, they're in a shame state. They're minimizing, they're blaming. They're not taking accountability. Ooh, they're crippled by guilt. Ooh, this is what's going on with them. What I want for you is for you to understand the journey so you can identify where they're at so you don't take more stuff on that is not yours. Because this journey of healing after infidelity or betrayal takes all of your resources focused on you. And I want you to be able to discern what's going on with the other person so you don't take their stuff on or so you don't step in and do their healing for them. Because that's you running across the street sweeping up the junkyard every day. That's not sustainable. It does not make the owner of the junkyard happier or more grateful to you. It makes them lazier and slobbier and actually resentful of you. So if there's any part of love in you for your partner, not saying you want to stay together, but if there's love for them as a human, love them enough to let them do their own work. Love them enough to stay out of their business and to manage your own business with you. And if you need help, that's why I am here. That's what I do is I sit with you and I help you to understand where they're at on the journey, what it really means, what's going on. I help you with the language to use towards them. How do you have a conversation? What do you say? What do you not say? I help you look within and heal yourself. I help you take care of your spirit energetically. I help you get clear on your mind, where you're at, what's going on, what you want. I help you reconnect to your heart so you can really know worthiness, so you can validate yourself, so you can know that no matter what happens, you're okay, you've got your own back. I do that through my six-month coaching program And one of my favorite things about my six-month coaching program is you get 24-7 access to me, to my brains, to my experience, to my wisdom, to my tools. 24-7, you have access to me on Voxer, a walkie-talkie app that I encourage you to reach out in any moment and be like, "Ah, I can't stop this anymore. This is what's going on. What's happening? Or to celebrate a win. I created this boundary, I feel it, I'm strong, I'm empowered, I got this. You've got me 24-7 in your pocket, on your phone, that can be your sounding board and that can help you for all of those little ups and downs along the way so you don't have to wait for next month's appointment, so you don't have to wait for next week's appointment where well, then you forget. Now, as part of the coaching package, we also, of course, have a monthly 90-minute session. You get a customized monthly meditative hypnosis session that rewires your brain. So your habits change, so you experience things differently. You get weekly emails from me with activities designed to get you to remember who you are to reclaim your power to own your worth so you can handle yourself along this journey so you can always know better so you can always do better to learn more go to affairrecoveryforwomen.com affairrecoveryforwomen.com and you can read a little bit more about the package But I also want you to know that this is a customized package. This is your package based on your needs. These are just some of the things that I offer. But I also know that you are unique. Your journey is unique. Your betrayal story is unique. And I am here to meet you in whatever you need and to hold you as you walk through this journey So you can get to the other side. So you can discover what's possible for you on the other side. And how good life can be. Because it's not about spending the rest of your life bitter and broken. It's about using this as a catalyst for something more. For something beautiful and good. I can't wait to connect with you www.affairrecoveryforwomen.com. Have an amazing week and always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough.